Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and writer. And I'm Brian Luna, still trying to figure out why no one's ever tried to abduct me. And you're listening to Talk Psych to Me, a show where we take research out of the lab and into the street. Let's get into it. I abducted you? What do you think no, you're doing No, no, I mean, like, abducted. You know, like, growing up in the 80s, I told you, like, we talked about that. No one ever tried, no, one ever, no car ever slowed down or something like that. Well, you know, you start thinking, I'd like... i slow down my car for you, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, this is almost on topic with what I wanted to talk about today. Oh, no, it's so not. Oh, no, don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. <laughs> oh, I can't take it back. Is there a rewind No, on no, there's thing? no rewind. You got to go forward. Got to go through. The only way, the only way, is, the only way out is through. Kind of like that sentence. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So since Valentine's Day is coming right up. Yep. It's our, it's a special day for us. Yep. It's the day we moved in together. We, I, we Oh, yep. And yep. that too. <laughs> so I thought that we could talk about the psychology of love. Oh. Self-love, that is. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Really? You mean that kind of, oh. No. no. <laughs> Not that kind of self-love. <laughs> I was like, well, this topic's going to get real interesting. All right. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. So self-love meaning yeah. like. So a lot of people say you can't love anyone until you love yourself. So this episode is another one of those little mysteries trying to yeah. test yeah, whether yeah, yeah. that's true or not. Okay. What do you think? You wanna, I agree you wanna, 100%. You want to do what you do to me where you ruin every single movie we, movie we watch by <laughs> guessing the end in the no, first five no, minutes no, of the no, movie? No, 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 I, I think I, I, I 100% agree with this. Something that I've um, worked through uh, with my therapist in the last, you know, four, three, four years, whatever. Trying to figure out what that, what that means. Does that mean that you to... didn't love me before you started working with your therapist? No, that means I could actually, I mean, like I did love you, but there was like a threshold, you know, there was like a point where I couldn't get past and I, and I was like, well, this is what love is. And that's what probably puts people in, in unhealthy relationships because they, they only get to so, so far, oh, but once you break through and figure that, and I don't want to get all heady, like self-love sounds like, you know, all this kind of like bath bombs and stuff like that, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but, but. Uh, it, it really is – maybe there's another word for it that we could use, but, like, it really is something that you have to do. You have to, like, let go of some things. You have to start, like, embracing some of your dark corners and, and so you can actually care about other people. It wasn't until that that I became a better pet owner, too, you know, enable myself to, like, care about other things, you know, and, and love my family. Beings. Love my family better, huh. too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So oh, it's on by last the way, week you wanted to destigmatize bath bombs. Yes. And this week you want to destigmatize self love. But I also had a bath bomb. Alyssa Green, our amazing editor, <laughs> listened to the podcast. Well, I hope I hope she listened to the podcast because she edited it. I think they but, were unrelated incidents. No, maybe. But she sent me a bath bomb, and holy shit, this thing was amazing. So yeah. like. Yeah, it was and you, fantastic. And you self-loved yourself. I self-loved myself. I, you know, I threw it in there and I was like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I love myself enough to put this in there <laughs> and, and even tell people about amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Alyssa. And and let's explore more deeply this, this topic yes. of self-love. Okay. Okay. So one way researchers have explored this question is by examining the link between love for others and extreme self-love, also known as narcissism. Uh, oh, which we've talked about. Yep, yep. Hell yeah. See the narcissism episode. I eat Tanya's everyday life, but yes. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. So U.S. psychologists Campbell, Foster, and Finkel dug into this question by doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. Instead of lumping all love into one category, they went with the ancient Greek tradition of making a distinction between the six types of love. Yeah, but the ancient Greeks were freaks. Yeah? Exactly. They had this thing figured out. So oh, pop quiz time. Brian Luna. Yeah. 
you you I think fancy yourself a bit of a lover lover boy. Well, you know, I you know I dabble in it. You dabble. Know, so yeah. let's see, you and listeners, please play along. Can you name the six different types of love? Yeah, there's like heart love, like heart, like I heart you. Yeah. There's like love of things. Uh, there's love of like, <laughs> that might be a seventh category. <laughs> that, there's like love of things, like inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. There's the phrase love. Oh man, I love that, and you don't really love it. And then there's <laughs> like um, there's love, sarcastic like, love. Then there's sarcastic, like oh, I love that. Yeah, love it. Okay. You know, whatever. Okay. Um, and so then you're so you're thinking as the ancient Greeks had text message love, sarcastic love, and love for comic. And books. then you also talk about. The physical baby. Sexy time. Yeah, sexy time love. (laughs) So how right do you think you are? 92%. (laughs) If I had to put a number on it. Okay, so you were right about sexy time love. Uh, So here are the six love types Okay, uh, that that psychologists still actually use. So, you know. Thumbs up to the ancient Greeks. And, and and who are the people? Unless that was an insult in ancient Greece. I'm not sure. What? A thumbs up? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll see what we talk about. Their sexy time. Their freaky time, baby. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So six types of love. Yeah. First one, sexy time love. Yeah. Uh, passionate love, also known as eros. Eros. Yeah. yeah. Number two, ludus, which is game playing love. Game playing. Yeah. Love. it's. Uh, we'll talk more about that today, right. but it's kind of like the love where it's like flirty. Okay. It's kind of like yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the chase. Yeah. The chase. The okay. Chase. Yeah. Then we have Strohe, which is. Oh, I know what that love. is. Oh, then I don't know. None, that no. Friendship love. Not to be confused with Strohe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, Strohe. Friendship love. So that's the love that stems from friendships and kind uh-huh. of turns into this deeper more intimate love. Okay. Then we have pragma. Wait, wait. You mean turns into deeper intimate love? Like yeah. goes from friendship into like the... It's kind of like the blurring of friendship and romance. intimacy and romance. Yeah. But isn't that like uh, the opposite of like the friend zone? Yeah. It's like when you go beyond the friend zone. It starts in the friend zone and then it evolves. So this is a type of love that's often valued in, for example, arranged marriage, where it starts off with... Cordial. Cordial grows into a friendship and, and then, then goes from into there sexy goes time. into sexy time. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> and you can have combinations of these or you can have just one and not the other. Uh then pragma is practical love. So this is like your family. Uh your baby. Yeah, like let's get married because of the baby. Or it could be like let me marry into this family because that's gonna be great for, yeah. you know, my finances. Ooh, and it, that's still love? That's pragma, practical love. Yeah. Is it really? All right. All right. Are you here? Yeah, to judge yeah. I'm, the I'm, I'm just, I'm, hey, I okay. always judge And then Asian number Greeks. five you know is mania, which is possessive, dependent, kind of obsessive love. This is the like manslaughter and stuff love. Not necessarily. Right? It could be the like tumbling head over heels into love, love. Yeah. And then stalker. <laughs> and then six is agape, which is altruistic love. This is considered one of the like highest, deepest forms of love. This is like the kind where people are like, you know, I want to be in love. I want love in my life. Usually they're talking about agape types of love. Okay. And this isn't with someone else. This is the, this is the love of love. No, it's, it's altruistic love. It's like, I love you so much that you matter more to me than I even matter to myself. Oh, wow. Is it's that like healthy? the highest all these form of healthies? love. I know. So, I mean, all these healthies? Are all these healthy? Or, or is this like, so, uh, I love you. For some reason, healthies makes me think I didn't, I didn't mean healthies. I mean, I did, but I didn't mean it. But so I, I guess we'll talk about it in a minute because it, it sounds, all these yeah, sounds kind of, Yeah, let's talk about it because yeah. especially Agape, if the point is like deep, intimate, you know, companionate, true love, like the stuff that 
romance novels and movies are made of. I don't, I don't actually know what romance. I think yeah, romance I novels are more. I don't think like you've ever read time. it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more sexy times. But anyway, so uh, no offense to anyone who likes romance novels. Please feel free to set me straight. And they also so, start Strohan too. <laughs> romance novels start Strohan and they get into the the, the friendship the, love. Oh, yeah, interesting. Okay, okay. Uh, they start Strohan and they end yeah, Strohan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, agape is interesting because it's all about altruistic love, but that kind of challenges this idea that we have to love ourselves to love someone else. Interesting. So let's come back to me. Which of, of those loves do you have for me? Just I think checking. I think all but one of them. Which one? The practical. Oh, you think yeah. we're. Come on, I'm a really practical spouse for you. Not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. We weren't right for each other. We, we were very wrong for each other. There was okay. all these things happening. There was all these like little <laughs> combobulations, all these things percolating. I mean, I guess our, our families didn't benefit from us getting together. Not at all. It wasn't not at like all. the union well, of No, my, my family got a lot of good jokes out of it. Like they yeah. got a lot of good Ukrainian. They still get to call me Oksana. Oksana. So. How about you and Huck? What kind of uh, love all would you it. say that is? I think we're all of it. Because the practical Yee. stuff. Well, no, no, not the, not the, not the sex not time. Not arrows. Not arrows. Okay. But like, we, we do everything but arrows because like practical love, she needs me to take care of her. I need her to take care of me. Yeah. This um, is our dog we're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. Brian's favorite dog. My, my favorite dog. But yeah, she's, she's all that. Like, I, I mean, she's. Okay. So yeah. it's practical. You have friendship. You have some game playing. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. chase. <laughs> There's a lot of chase. Uh, and, uh, and it's quite altruistic. Like you two would be willing to do anything for each other. Oh my God. Yeah. Probably. yeah. Okay. All right. One day I'll get in on that level of love. Well, um, hold your breath, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, can I give you a mini version of an assessment to determine your love type for me a little oh. bit more? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I okay. guess. Consent. I heard consent. Okay. Uh, so here's an abridged <laughs> version of the love attitude scale developed by Hendrick and Hendrick. And Same just- person or... The, or this, coincidence. Hendrick just loved herself <laughs> so much that she put herself. So in were it they? Twice. Were they? Uh, uh, um, a couple? I'm. I don't know. I'm going to assume so. Come on. Uh, or Hendrick you know, there's Hendrick? this concept called nominal determinism. People with the same name, uh, and especially the last name or last names that sound similar, are more likely to like each other. But I'm going to assume this is. I've a never met another Luna where I've been like, yeah. <laughs> How about me? Well, you're a Luna after the fact. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Hendrick and Hendrick okay. love attitude scale. Just for simplicity's uh, sake, and listeners, please follow along. Answer these questions as well, out loud if you're willing. Uh, just let me know, do you agree or disagree? Okay. Use you your change? healthies. Use your healthies. Okay. <laughs> okay. Agree or disagree, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. And you're talking about me. And not scale or anything. Just agree or disagree? Agree. Yes or no? All right. Ready? Okay, hold on. Okay. Ready? I, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you, you're throwing this at me. It's going to unveil some. We get might get divorced in like mode. four minutes. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> all right. Hit it. Ah, okay. Uh, my lover and I have the right physical chemistry between us. Agree. That took a while. I'm going to edit no, no, that no, out in no, post. No, 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 no. Because I was trying to think of the question. I was like, the right physical chemistry. Yeah, yeah. I think so. All right. My lover and I became emotionally involved rather quickly. You're calling me your lover. <laughs> uh, yes. Agree. Quick. Yeah. That was pretty quick. Okay. I try to keep my lover a little uncertain about my commitment to them. <laughs> uh, disagree. Okay. I believe that what my lover doesn't know about me won't hurt them. What my lover doesn't know about me, well, disagree. Disagree? Yeah. Like, what's an example? Um, I'm just kidding. We can oh, okay. I was just like, like I, I don't I think we have a whole thing like we don't. Yeah, we, we're really into trust. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to say exactly where friendship more, ends. More than trust. Like, honesty. Like, that, it's it's difference. Like, yeah, trust, is, trust is like, honesty. I trust you if you go to Boca with, you know, the the U.S. nude team. Uh, but <laughs> Is there a U.S. nude team? I don't know, probably. Hmm. But, but like. Sign honesty is like 
this is everything I've ever, I've never told anyone else or, you know, like I'm open. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. okay. so next question. All right. It's hard to say exactly where friendship <laughs> I said, hold on. I said that like, <laughs> next question, like you work for me. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Pragma. I'm very, I do aim to serve. Next okay. question. And uh, get me a coffee. Okay. Right. Ready? This yes. is not how the scale is meant to go. Okay. okay sorry. Uh, it's hard to say exactly where friendship ends and love begins. Agree. Okay. Uh, love is really a deep friendship, not a mysterious mystical emotion. Oh, man. Ah, I don't know. Um, Agree or disagree? Okay. Hey, well, it's easy on your side. You got the answers. There's no uh, answer. Can I, can I hear it again? <laughs> <laughs> Love is really a deep friendship, not a mysterious mystical emotion. Is it mystical or what? In some aspects, yeah, okay, then it then, is. Then but then, disagree. But then, but in some aspects, it's not. Okay. It's a lot of work. Okay, it's a it's not. But but, it, but it's work. It's not like um, it, it's going to work out because the universe wants us to and we're, you know, Cupid and all that. No, it, it's it's you love someone and then you have to work your ass off because it's. Okay. So is it mystical and mysterious or no? Not no. Not at all. Okay. No, it's not. Yes, is it, it is. Bit? Yes. In okay, a little bit. All right. Bit. So it's a combo. Okay. Up next, we've got, I try to plan my life carefully before choosing a lover. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> One consideration in choosing a partner is how they will impact my career. Disagree. Okay. All right. So that's the, the pragma stuff. Obviously, you're wholly impractical in your approach to love. Um, <laughs> when things aren't right with me and my lover, I feel sick all over. Uh, disagree. Okay. I see. Uh, if my lover <laughs> ignores me for a while, I sometimes do stupid things to get their attention. Agree. Such as? <laughs> anything. Anything I got to do. Dance. Um, run around. Porky, way to get your Run around like Porky you. Pig. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I've seen you air juggle so many times. Oh, my gosh. I'm so good. I've only dropped like one. <laughs> All right. And then finally, I would rather suffer myself than let my lover suffer. Uh, agree. When my lover gets angry with me, I still love them fully and unconditionally. Agree. Whatever I own is my lover's to use as they choose. Agree. Unfortunately, agree. <laughs> I, like, I have no choice. That's That shouldn't even be a question. All right. So the first batch was Eros, then we had Ludus, then Storhe, then Pragma, then Mania, and then Agape. We did all of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So- uh, What's my score? <laughs> so you scored, it seemed like you answered most quickly on the Agape love, which mm -hmm. is that altruistic deep love. So Boom. we win. Um, when? So let's get back uh, to this idea. Wait, now, well, how did I do? What does that mean? What are, What are the results? Well, you scored strongest. What did I score? What did I score slowest at? Or, slowest. Or, or, or what is it? how you measure this? You scored lowest. lowest on game playing love, Ludus, and you scored lowest on pragma, practical love, and then you were like. What, what was the Ludus questions? Ludus was, I try to keep my lover a little uncertain, and oh. I believe that what my lover doesn't know won't hurt them. So that's like the keeping keeping people at a distance. It's often considered kind of immature love. Yeah, I ain't that. All right, so you got you got the serious mature love stuff. Yeah, I got the mature. So love. thinking about these uh, different types of love, yeah. going back to this question: Do you have to love yourself before you love others? Which love do you think they're referring to? I would imagine the altruistic love, right? Like I the, think so too. The the. The okay. But also maybe even the passionate love, right? Because you yeah. got to like Eros. feel good about who you are to yeah. feel wanted, yeah, right? Yeah, you got to so, like, like what you're seeing in the mirror. Exactly. Because, yeah, you know, otherwise, I mean, you know, we, we've seen it on TV and stuff like people having uh, issues passionate wise it's usually the one person or, or both people feeling a little self-conscious or insecure your about body. your body yeah, or something like that. We've yeah. all had that. So 
Um, I would say that that's also in reference to yeah, that. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Yeah, so, so to have passion, you kind of need to, if it's physical passion, it's almost like you're saying you need to be at least content with mm -hmm. your own physical yeah. being. Yeah. Uh, and if we're talking about that agape, deep, unconditional, companionate love, then what kind of self-love do you need for that? You're sober and single? Tune in to the Sober Dating Podcast with Kathy Vandenberg. We are constantly evolving and learning new things. This is why at the Sober Dating Podcast, we not only talk about expanding your love life, we share space with the many subjects that surround love and recovery. Through exploring our traumas, we build ourselves into better human beings, ultimately becoming better partners to those we choose to connect with in love. Join us as we explore the richness of sober love, beauty, many experience, and solitary life and how recovery brings it all together. The Sober Dating Podcast, new episodes weekly. Join us for conversations that will set you and your love life in a new direction. You have to care for yourself to care about others. Like, I think when you get, it gets dangerous is when you care about someone More. so much and you don't care about yourself. I think that's, that's when it gets into like that weird stalking. I think that's when it gets into like that. Like the first two years of our relationship. Exactly. When you were all over me in the bushes ah! and the fire escape. Remember the fire escape? I, I, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like running into you at Dwayne Reed. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just, I just, I feel like, yeah, that's where it gets a little dangerous is when you put someone else's love over how mm. you care about yourself. So it's almost like maybe you can love someone more than you love yourself or before you love yourself, but that could lead to an unhealthy Absolutely. It could lead to obsession. And maybe that lead leads to... to that manic kind of love. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the research. Okay. Uh, going back to narcissism, mm -hmm. what do you think the this trio of researchers found? Is narcissism linked with any of these types of love? Oh, wow. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, I think narcissism is linked to all of that. So right? the more uh, narcissistic you are, the more you can do all the loves or all the healthies. I think you can do certain things better, like the game playing. I think you can do the uh, the probably the passionate one, too, because you don't care what the other person thinks. Yeah. Okay. And as usual, Brian Luna figures out the research. Boom! The research but I didn't need Hindenburg and Hindenburg or whatever, the Hinkleman and Hinkleman. I didn't need none of those two twins. <laughs> oh, maybe they're twins. Why maybe do we think twins. about that? Yeah. Twins probably love each other a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, or or they hate each other a lot. Yeah. Like, but they probably, know. if they hated each other, they probably wouldn't do research Do you together. know any twins? Yeah. You know, I don't know any twins. That's a, a loss for I, you. I knew twins That's in high school. Loss for but, you. Yeah, but I haven't talked to them in years. Okay, so. Shout uh, out to the McElhaney's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so going back to the research. So here's what they found. They found that narcissistic people were more likely to experience ludus game playing love. Yeah. So exactly what you said. But that's not quite what people mean, I think, when they say that you can't love others until you learn to love yourself. Yeah. So the researchers also decided to investigate the link between love and self-esteem. Ooh. In case maybe that's the real link. Because they were like, okay, maybe self-love isn't narcissism. Maybe it's self-esteem. And self-esteem is defined as a positive evaluation of your own worth and abilities. Uh oh What? <laughs> Nothing. Keep going. What would you say? Uh-oh? Yeah. Why? No, I just, you know, I think I've... I think I've. You think you have low self-esteem? I think I, ha I have self-esteem issues. I don't know if I have low self-esteem. So self-esteem is an interesting one because I think of it more as like self-like than self-love. Because it's not that unconditional, I accept myself, I am there for myself. It's more like, I think I'm pretty good. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm good at that. And here's where they did find links. 
So self-esteem is slightly correlated with eros or passionate love. Okay. Which kind of makes sense, right? It's kind of like what you were talking about yeah. before. You're you're accepting or you like what you're seeing in yourself. Yep. And so you're more able to like lose yourself in the in the moment in the heat of the passion. And it's negatively correlated with manic or that obsessive possessive. The, yeah, the possessive love. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So more self-esteem, less manic love. So manic love is that brain scrambling. Yeah kind of lovesick love. Yep. Have you experienced this before? I've had it happen to me. You know, I've had someone lose their shit and <laughs> scramble their brains, your brains like fried eggs. Is this me when know? I was stalking you? You were one of them. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was happened. totally lovesick for you. <laughs> I was too. I was pretty, that's when you don't eat. You know what I mean? That's when you're in like the best shape of your life. Those first oh my gosh, three we months. Were so so healthy and so and skinny. And I was like, the, we, we were, were going sleeping. out at like three in the morning for walks. Yeah. Remember that? It's yeah. fantastic. So uh, here's some physiological symptoms mm-hmm. of that kind of falling, tumbling in love. It raises our cortisol levels, which is our our stress response, Mm -hmm. which can actually suppress immune function. So it could literally make us more likely to be sick. (laughs) I was so lovesick at one point. Uh, Not with you, but this was for... Wow. We got to bring this up. We got to bring up past... Okay, well, I got a few. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I got got like three or four. Go ahead. Me too. It was in middle school. Um, Mark Anthony... He came and he sang at my window, okay? The and Mark Anthony? No, not oh. the Mark Anthony. Just a Mark Anthony. Oh, right. You're in Brooklyn. There was like... Yeah. yeah Mark Anthony. <laughs> and it literally gave me a fever. He gives him a fever. It literally... Like, I literally took my temperature and I was like, oh my God, I have a fever. Like, my body yeah, was well, malfunctioning. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. When I was in kindergarten, we had a student teacher that looked like Wonder Woman. She looked like Linda Carter. <laughs> and she played the guitar and she would... On our, on our little thing, we're in kindergarten class and... She was like, I want someone to help me play the guitar. And I was like, okay. And I raised my hand because she was beautiful. And I sat, she put me on her lap that and then so put the guitar. For so many no, no, no. Reasons. I mean, I wasn't facing her. I was facing the guitar, I was <laughs> oh facing God. the audience. And, and and she strummed the guitar while I held it. And she held my hand and told me the chords. And I got sick right in my pants. No, just kidding. I was sick and I was like tired and I my head hurt and I was oh boozy. God. And I thought I was, I literally thought I was in love with her. I thought I was going to marry oh. her. Well, I mean, physiologically, maybe you were, right? So Yeah. That was so manic, you don't have your, I got my own Mark Anthony's. All right, okay. okay. Yours is way less appropriate than mine, but whatever. Well. Because we were the same age. And yeah, but we were the same maturity. She was in a position of power. And uh, she anyway, was not. I was in the position of power uh, in that. That manic love, I it had also. The, I had the cords. I was going to control the cords. I had all the power. <laughs> it also pumps dopamine into our brain. You know, we talk a lot about yep. dopamine. It's that reward and addiction neurotransmitter. Neurotransmitter. It drops our serotonin levels, which causes obsessive thinking. I don't know if you've ever like doodled someone's name over and over and over. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's because okay. of the, that drop in serotonin. Can levels. I tell you? Can I tell you a, a kind of an embarrassing? Absolutely, this so is the right place this for embarrassing. Is, this is my manic. <laughs> I was uh, I can't. I'll I'll say her name. It was boop, and um, uh, <laughs> we don't and, have that and her last and her last here. name was boop, and uh, basically, uh, I was in love with her in the eighth grade, and I carried the torch for her for a long time. And um, uh, up until like two weeks Wait, ago. Wait, are you talking I'm about poop? Yeah. Oh, yeah. is that whose name I saw scribbled in the bathroom? Yeah, yeah, under the toilet paper. Boop, boop. In big letters, <laughs> in big bold letters. No. Uh, so this is eighth grade. And I, I was like, I, I, and I, for some reason, I thought instead of doodling her name everywhere, mm-hmm. I was like, I've got a great idea. Oh, no, you didn't. I'm going to carve her initials in for my me. arm. Ugh. 
and with a razor blade, uh. and it's going to be amazing. Oh She's going to see this, and how could she not? Like, how could she not? Uh, and I was a little ruffian in, in eighth grade. Like, I was punching people like like it was my it was oh, like a course Lord. in school. So I carved her initial. <laughs> I showed it to her. The look on her face, I will never forget. <laughs> and it's that look that made me keep every receipt for every gift I've ever given anyone. Because if I could take that back, that action back after seeing her face, I would have done it in a heartbeat. It was the worst. The look, it wasn't just horror. It was horror and concern. Oh, I know. <laughs> I have had a boy carve my name into his... Uh, wrist as well, but he didn't. In his it. wrist, I don't think he was trying to carve your initials. <laughs> no. Yo, no, wait, 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 wait. Like no, no, I, I did it in my bicep. Okay, fine. I don't think. His forearm. <laughs> and, but the thing is, like, he didn't commit all the way, so it was just like a, a scratch, like a really nasty scratch. Yeah. Anyway, please don't do that. Uh, one of my favorite descriptions of falling in love is it's neurologically speaking a cross between schizophrenia because of the elevated dopamine <laughs> and OCD because of that depleted serotonin levels yeah. where you have no self-control poor mood regulation meanwhile that agape like intimate companionate love is characterized by high oxytocin levels which is the cuddle yep, the chemical, cuddle chemical the bonding chemical so we want that we don't want none of that yeah low low but, serotonin but I high just dopamine. think like when you would first get with someone too and Part of that lovesick is like, you know, every ex that she's ever had is on your like hit list because of all the bad that they've ever done, you know, or whatever. Like, they're, you're just like, who who are you? Like, we didn't what, have that protocol. <laughs> no, no, but it's just it's just weird thing. It, it makes people possessive. feel possessive. And That's yeah, manic love. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So going back to Campbell, Foster and Finkel, they found that or they their takeaway from their own research was that self-esteem can act as a buffer against love sickness or losing yourself entirely to love. Because if I have high self-esteem, I don't have to go after your exes to protect our love. Yeah. I can feel kind of And what a lot of people don't realize about this particular research, Campbell, Foster, and Finkel, is that that was actually a love triangle. And they did all of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Campbell and, F and Finkel were a thing. And then Foster was like a thing with Finkel sometimes. And and it got real weird. And they were like, let's do research on this because we've got to figure this out. We're grad students and we got to get we got to get yeah. credit. I love experiential research. Yeah, like yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. you throw yourself into it. <laughs> okay. So in this mystery of whether we need to love ourselves before we can fully love others. Mm -hmm. So far, there's actually little evidence that it's true, oh. unless you're talking about sexy time love or mm -hmm. game-playing love. Researchers have also investigated the link between narcissistic self-love and romantic love cross-culturally. Um, so, for example, Ha, Huang, and Fam, another love triangle. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because, uh, you know, maybe they're not a love triangle. If you are a love triangle, you know, more power to you. Maybe they're a love I rectangle. Maybe out. there's one person we're not mentioning. Maybe they're a thruple. Uh, they conducted a similar study in Vietnam. And their hypothesis was that being Vietnamese, because it's a collectivist culture, narcissism would be negatively correlated with all forms of love. Hmm. So they're thinking maybe in Western culture, okay, narcissism it makes it more likely that, you know, you can feel that Eros or you can feel that Ludus. Uh, what they found is actually that there's no relationship between narcissistic self-love and romantic love, even in the Vietnamese population that they studied, though they did spot a small positive relationship between narcissism and Eros, passionate love, mm -hmm. only among women. Huh. Again, there, no real link between that self-love and love for others. So what's your take on it thus far? Uh, my take is they didn't do the work. 
Uh, my take is <laughs> they were too busy in their love triangle. They were too triangles. busy in their Maybe they asked like fourteen people, and they were like, "Okay, no link." And they maybe they heard what they wanted to hear. Uh, no, I don't know. I, 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 I that's that's bizarre. I, I, I don't have a, I don't have so a takeaway from it. So I think that what you said earlier was really important about maybe the definitions here are the problem, or the words that we're using are the problem. Because mm-hmm. digging into this topic further, I felt like equating self-love with narcissism might be one of the problems because mm-hmm. like if you remember from our episode of narcissism you probably think this podcast is Pod- right. probably thinks podcast about you it is it, listeners if you listen to it, <laughs> it that, that is the episode that we recorded about you um so what you might recall is that narcissists are actually quite vulnerable to any form of criticism and rejection so i think that love for themselves Maybe they, they're like craving attention and validation, but mm-hmm. I don't know that self-love is there. You might remember psychiatrist Royce Lee found that narcissists are actually um, have higher stress levels, have higher cortisol levels. So it might be that when you have these narcissistic tendencies, you're actually constantly seeing other people as a bit of a threat. Like mm. you need them, but yeah. you're also like, wait, if you say something negative about me, if you see me negatively, then that's going to hurt. So I wonder if that's the problem. We need a better definition of self-love. Yeah. And with narcissism, there's also like a fake it till you make it, right? Like, you you know, you you put on this air until... You believe it, yeah, but any any bit of criticism can chunk that thing it's down. Like a we see it on on TikTok all the time with like these influencers we and do? stuff. I see it on TikTok. <laughs> no, but you see it on you know you see, we hear about these news stories about like you know TikTokers breaking down or whatever, and oh, you know yeah. you you have like um these people that have these incredible self images, you know, yeah. like and they they put those out the thirty seconds dance videos and stuff like that, and get all this money for that, and then they hear criticism and they and they it really hits them hard, you know, like it affects yeah. some more than others. Yeah, interesting. So maybe like what looks like self-love on the outside isn't necessarily self-love on the inside. Yeah. yeah. That said, I have nothing against the 30-second TikTok dance videos. Nothing. And I think I, they make the world a better place. Yeah, they make them happier at least, you know, I don't know, you know. Okay, so how would you define self-love? I think I think it's what, what I said earlier. Um, it's, it's like more like self-like. Would you be willing or, to say it again? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so do you need us to I need you to go back to uh, three minutes, 11 seconds. Uh, no, I, I think it's it's not self-love. It's just self-acceptance or self-like, not even self-whatever. I, I hate when you hear the word self-things in, in when it comes to like mental health. Because I feel it feels like cringy like, about it. Yeah, because it feels like you're you're like, you know, I'm a lake and, you know, the body of it. No, it's just like. I never heard you, that one. Well, yeah, I don't know. Like... Maybe I combined a bunch of shit. But what I'm saying is you have to just kind of accept yourself certain parts of yourself that you don't like or that you have a hard time growing up with you know even little things like this is going to sound really dumb but like i grew up really self-conscious about my hair Mm. you know uh i was the only one in my family with hair like mine and it was like coarse and curly and 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 really like uh like coarse you know where my family had like long flowy locks all of them so it was something that I, as I got older, and this is just one little, I'm not saying this is my whole identity, but this is just an example of something that I had to learn to grow into mm. and love and like accept. And, and, you know, you just kind of have to shine a dark corner, but, you know, growing up as, as poor as we were, like, you know, that was something I hid away and it wasn't until I accepted it yeah. that it became part of my identity and it became part of like who I am. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm proud of it because it's nothing I did, you know, but I'm accepting of it and it's part of like who i am it's almost like when you think about truly loving someone else it's accepting all of those things about them yeah and and maybe even i mean sometimes you love those things about them and sometimes you're just like this is part of who they are and because i love them i love everything about them all right so what is it that you it's part of who i am i saw the look what is (laughs) it name name two things that it's just who i am that you have to accept no this isn't critical 
I don't care. No, I want to know. I want to know. Um, I accept that you play video games <laughs> extraordinarily loudly to such an extent that even though we live in a house now and not an apartment, I still hear you no matter where I go. <laughs> I accept this about you. What's one thing you accept about me? I accept that you love the pigs now more than me. What? Uh, I do. No, it's okay. I, it's not true. I've gone Say to bed. Say a real thing. Okay. I accept that the pigs... Um, Deser- are more deserving of your time than I am. Okay. No, I, 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 I accept your obsessiveness. Um, when you get your teeth into something, mm-hmm. that's it gets chewed up. <laughs> it gets chewed up. Um, okay. So Thank I accept you. that. I, I accept that you, you know, head down. So maybe that's one way. Point. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk shortly about so what what exactly is self love and how do you develop it. But maybe that's one way to learn it is to if you re- if there is anyone in your life whether human or or non-human that who you really love just even noticing how do i love them and can i give myself that same treatment yeah yeah okay so there is a definition of self-love i wanted to share with you hensky and saddlemeyer they suggested a fuller definition of self-love just last year 2021 because they also were looking at the research literature and they were like there's really a lot of people talk about self-love on Instagram and yeah. whatever, but but no one's really studied the the full kind of construct of it. So they interviewed psychotherapists, coaches, and authors writing about self-love. And they use those interviews as a way to sort of create what's the full picture of this concept of self-love. Hmm. Okay, so they broke it down into three things. Number one, self-contact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get a yeah for that one. It's just no, a it's just a giggle. <laughs> so self-contact, um, contrary to your reaction, they define it as just giving attention to oneself. <laughs> of all forms, it includes things like, oh my gosh, the male host laughs too much. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's a piece of feedback that we got, by the way. That's not my perspective. I love the male host's laughter. Um, so self-contact is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like, hey, am I listening to myself? Am I listening to my needs? Am I listening to my wants? Am I paying attention to myself? Okay. Yeah. You ready to move on? Uh-huh. Okay. Number two is the one that you said, self-acceptance. So that's defined as being at peace with oneself. And number three is self-care, which is defined as being protective of or caring for oneself. Mm-hmm. So that's like bath bombs. Yes. And, working know, out. Working out, protecting your schedule from, yeah. you know, only doing things to serve others. Do you need to giggle? <laughs> no, no. I'm totally fine. I don't, I don't giggle. I don't laugh. Okay. The male host. Self-contact. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But here's the challenge. Um, because this definition is so new... Uh, it hasn't really been studied yet. So the closest approximation I could find that has been really well studied is the concept of self-compassion. Oh, yeah. You familiar with that one? No, but uh, continue, please. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like, oh, yeah. No, well, self-compassion is like a great way to, again, you take the self out, but like self-compassion is something it goes right along with acceptance. You know, it's you have to kind of forgive yourself for certain things. It is interesting though, right? You put the self in front of it and it, like, I also have a little bit of that, like, yeah. ugh, I, I, I don't know. It feels like maybe soft and fluffy or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, like too foo-foo and, and, it, and it just makes me, yeah, it makes me shy away from it. But, you know, I, I guess what, this is called self... Um, self-compassion. Self-compassion is a lot like, I mean, a lot of religions have this, you know, like yeah. confession. Being open with yourself about 
what you've done, your sins or what have you. Well, I think religion uses this idea of you are forgiven Mm -hmm. as a way, as like an entryway into self-compassion. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have an entryway into kind of self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, then you can be really trapped with those feelings, which then, you know, perpetuate more and more feelings of shame and guilt and inadequacy and things like that. Have you ever, have you ever done confession? Uh, can like to you? No, I mean like like in a in a in a, in a religious. No, thing. I haven't. I haven't either. I, it seems I never, really cool. Yeah, I've I've always I, I guess I've always wanted to only because like the movies and stuff, but I've never. Uh, yeah. I've never done it. I I didn't I didn't get that far up <laughs> in in uh, in Catholic upbringing. I I I dropped out. Before. I do think that like a big part of our relationship and why we're so close is because we kind of had like confession with each other yeah we still do we still do do. anytime we do any i mean i know for myself anytime i do anything that i might be even slightly ashamed of i tell you about it yeah and it's a way to just you know kind of release it and and work through it in some way so anyway i i I do think that self-compassion is such an important concept and and i would love even for myself to be more comfortable with it instead of seeing it as like what did you say? Lying in the lake or being one being, with the lake or whatever? Being in the lake and so, the serenity lake and I don't know. So let's, so let's dig, dig into some of the research there. Um, so psychologist Kristen Neff breaks down self-compassion also into three components. There's a lot of like nesting dolls yeah, of, of self here. Um, so she talks about it as self-kindness, which is refraining from criticizing ourselves. Hmm. Common humanity, which is the recognition that being imperfect and flawed is human. And number three is mindfulness, which is being aware of our negative self-talk so that we can kind of address it and and acknowledge it and let it go. So pretty close, I think, to the definition of self-love. You know, it's funny. I just read a quote today that was something – I'm going to paraphrase. I don't even know who said it. I, I just read it. It was like, uh, if you're worried or not, if you're a bad person, just know that bad people don't give a shit if they're bad people. Mm. So, I mean, that's a really good entry way to like – Okay, maybe I've done some bad stuff, but like if I'm concerned with that, that's a good that's cool. start, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so. so it's almost like appreciating the aspect of yourself that, that questions yeah. whether or yeah. not you're a good person or whether you're doing the right things. So are you all scaled out or can I ask you some more questions from a scale? I'm ready for – you know what? I need three more scales. So <laughs> if you got them, hit me with them. Okay. Because I get them somewhere else. You know that. I'll go on the street and get scales. Yeah. So I'll give you one more scale and then leave you wanting all more right. later. Right. Okay. Um, listeners, please follow along. Is that playful? This is that chase. This is this is the ludus love. Yeah, the ludus love. <laughs> I won't give you all the scales. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a, a mini, mini version of Neff's self-compassion scale. All right. Um, and for simplicity, just again, give me a disagree or agree. Disagree or agree. Okay. And I'll be quicker. Okay. <laughs> Great. I'm disapproving and judgmental about my own flaws and inadequacies. <laughs> Sorry, but being quick, I'm disapproving and judgmental, judgmental about, about my, my own, own yeah. inadequacies and flaws. True. Okay. Or, or agree. Okay. When I'm feeling down, I tend to obsess and fixate on everything that's wrong. Slightly agree. Okay. Uh, when I think about my inadequacies, it tends to make me feel more separate and cut off from the rest of the world. Agree. When something upsets me, I get carried away with my feelings. Agree. For you, on your behalf. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even take a breath to answer that goddamn question. All right. Agree. Agree. Okay. Okay. So those are the, so those are examples of like low self-compassion. That's it? That's the scale? No. And now I'm going to give you some high self-compassion. So basically you scored high on low self-compassion. Let's see how you do on high (laughs) self-compassion. Okay. When things are going badly for me, mm-hmm. I see the difficulties as part of life and that it's something that everyone goes through. 
Just slightly disagree. Okay. Slightly disagree. Uh, I try to be loving toward myself when I'm feeling emotional pain. Disagree. When I'm going through a very hard time, I give myself the caring and tenderness I need. All right. I get it. (laughs) What's the answer? (laughs) Disagree. Okay. Uh, When I'm feeling down, I try to approach my feelings with curiosity and openness. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans, a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories. Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. That might agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I think because I try. You know, right. I don't. I used to. I used to linger it. I used okay. to sit in it. So and, overall, and how do you see? What would you say based on this like short version of it? What's your level of self compassion? Uh, very low. Low, I would yeah. say, yeah. yeah. I do think it's low, which is fascinating to me because you are so compassionate toward others. Well, that's just, it's a ruse. <laughs> so you're actually <laughs> yeah, just judging, just judging the no. hell out of everyone. Uh, so yeah. it turns out that self-compassion is super important. Krieger and team found that people with low self-compassion are more likely to avoid their problems. So it's probably that shame emotion mm-hmm. coming up, uh, have more negative thoughts and feelings and have worse overall well-being. Hmm. And guess what? Various researchers have found a strong link between self-compassion and love for others. So going back to the mystery of yeah. today's episode, for example, Neff and Baradvaz found that self-compassion is linked with healthier and more positive romantic relationships, and it's a much better predictor of healthier romantic relationships than self-esteem. Hmm. So to summarize, extreme narcissistic self-love, not great for loving others. <laughs> High self-esteem, also like cool if you have it, but not a great predictor of loving others. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion, really good for you, really good for your ability to be in healthy, loving relationships. I think what keeps me going is that self-awareness because I've done, like I said, through therapy and everything, asking myself the right questions daily. Like even when I don't see my therapist, I, I'm still constantly asking myself these questions and constantly challenging my thought Mm. uh, process, especially when I get down. Like that's what one thing I've learned through therapy is like, instead of taking that spiral staircase down, you know, that staircases also go up, right? Mm. So you just have to try a little harder to climb faster and harder. It's easy to go down because of gravity, but like it's just fight. And and, and that's one thing I've always been good at is um, I think pushing through adversity, whether physical adversity or or otherwise. So um, I've learned to use that to kind of like stay afloat and keep asking myself questions so, so hopefully one day like get negative self-talk and you go up the staircase yeah, and yeah had so how do you go up how do you get yourself to go back one up? step at a time and it's like you know okay i really love when i work out the visual of like one one more step mm. you know um whether if i'm running a long distance or i'm walking or i'm pulling a sled or something like that like i love the idea that um, I can't go any further, but just that one step. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that sounds right, like all heady and everything and like all foo-foo too, but like it really is like going down the staircase. You really made it sound quite brawny and muscular <laughs> well, no, instead no, of but, foo-foo. But do you know what I mean? Like I, 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 like I, 
I always tend to lean towards the harder, you know, mm-hmm. like even if I'm moving something, I take the heaviest stuff first, yeah. you know? And I think that's the thing is you got to challenge yourself, take the heaviest shit on first and get up the stairs and, and just fight. I mean, you may not make it all the way to the top. Hell, you may not even make the curve, but you'll get three more steps higher than you would if you would have just let yourself mm-hmm. fall down. And I really do have this great visual of, of what depression looks like for me. And it's this, um, spiral staircase in this darkened, like mortar brick castle looking, Mm. uh, surrounding around it. And I can't see the bottom. It's just complete darkness. And I just, and on the, on the very, like miles away at the top, there's a little thing of light. And I'm Mm. like, you know, it's that's so similar to my visual. Yeah. So, and and then it helps me that, that when I, when I know I'm there, when I know I'm in that place and I can feel the railing in my hand, I just turn around and look up and maybe I don't hit a step, but I I just keep looking up and like, oh, geez, like I just got to, I can't let myself slip into this again. I can't let myself hate me because then, then it does affect our relationship. You know, when at any time I've ever been at my darkest has affected us, you know, we don't get along. It freaks you out because you want to help me and I don't want help. I'm like, can you, know? you go ahead and like stop being yeah, depressed can you already? Stop being this depressed? is really messing up my weekend. <laughs> can you just read me more of your poetry and let's move on? <laughs> uh, uh, I love that. So like having some sort of visual for yourself mm-hmm. and noticing when you're sliding down and what can you do to intentionally move up? So I was hoping to also share a few tips from Tim Desmond, who focuses a lot on self-compassion in therapy. Are you up for it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So before I wrap up, I'll share these. Is it a scale? No, it's not a scale. Later, if you're nice to me, I'll give you a third (laughs) scale. (laughs) Okay. So um, Desmond's first tip is expand your compassion to yourself. So for example, who do you find it really easy to feel compassion toward? It could be an animal. It could be a person. Um, you, uh, the, the dogs. Okay. Uh, like who, like a rumble, right? Like our, our, oh our dog gosh, who, yeah, yeah. she's partially paralyzed, super pathetic, gets away with so much. Absolute because murder. Because we feel so much compassion toward <laughs> yeah, her, right? Okay. Yeah. So right now, imagine yourself gazing into Rumble's eyes. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay. Where do you feel that compassion for her in your body? My stomach and my chest. And like what does I, it feel like? It feels warm. And it feels like, um, I feel it in my arms too. Like, uh, I could feel her, like, even when she's across the room, I can feel her mushiness in my body, you yeah. know, and like, uh, holding her, I can feel her breathing. Um, it's slow. I can, I can feel my chest moving easier. I'm not mm. fighting for breath. Um, my stomach doesn't feel sick. It feels like warm and my body feels like strong, but my chest neck and stomach feels softer you know what i mean like i just want to hold her i love that so so literally just doing this exercise and listeners please try this out as well just noticing where in your body you feel compassion then in those moments when you're being really hard on yourself you literally you can either think of rumble and sort of like fold yourself into that feeling almost Mm -hmm. like you're wrapping a blanket over both of you or just practice it more often so that it can be accessible to you as a feeling when you need it i noticed also when you asked me that i'm usually when we do this podcast for some reason i grip my toes Mm. uh and they're not they're not gripped like in your hands or no 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 no. like in my chunkla like they're 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 (laughs) like i'm like i'm like grabbing it like a hawk and you relax your feet and my feet are completely relaxed that's amazing yeah Yeah. and yeah i think it's it's like it seems like such a simple exercise but it's basically taking what you already know and applying it to being able to have that compassion toward yourself should we define chunkla for those who don't know that's a flip-flop 
As a flip-flop. Yeah. yeah. Or a, what is it? A, like a... Oh, I think it's a flip-flop. Flip-flop. Yeah. 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 Jackal. Great. Yeah. Thank you. That's very inclusive I of just you. wanted to make sure. Uh, a, a related one I actually want to try on you right now. Oh, nice. Which is gazing into the eyes of your childhood self. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to... Were you were you sighing because you thought I was going to make you gaze into my yeah, eyes? You, yeah, you're like, we better gaze. We have three minutes before we start playing video games. You better gaze. Gaze into my eyes. Gaze. <laughs> So I have to gate. I have to look at my kid. At no, me as a kid, not your kid. You as a child. Okay, ready. I have to gaze into my kid's eyes. No, not your kid's eyes. Your eyes as a kid. Oh. So listeners, if you have a, a childhood photo of yourself, oh, you have a. Fo- <laughs> this is something that you can try. What do I do? So Brian, I'm going to hand you my phone, and could you just describe to us what we're what you're seeing in that picture? A very abductable kid. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Um, Why that kid wasn't abducted? I, I like, look at him. Okay, so I'm wearing a, a burnt orange blazer mm-hmm. and a cream turtleneck. And how old are you there? Uh, 22. Come on. I am about two, maybe three years old. Okay, and you're wearing a turtleneck and a blazer. I'm wearing a turtleneck and a blazer. I remember this little scratch uh, that I have on my chin that's that's visible. Um, my hands are still the same, little sopapillas, little chunks, little <laughs> loaves of bread. And if you look into his eyes, like, what kind of kid is he? What... What kinds of things? Well, he's a happy kid. He's um, he's smiling. And, you know, he didn't have to be told to smile for a picture. He's such a ham. <laughs> and uh, it looks like he's he's talking because he never stopped talking at this age. <laughs> um, and his teeth could have used some work. Uh, <laughs> my mom and dad didn't believe in dentists they was like the easter bunny uh-huh and before you start judging that kid like <laughs> sorry some of the meanest things that you say to your adult self like picture saying them to this little goofy kid in a turtleneck that you're looking at how does that make you feel i'm dr julie bruni and i'm dr jeremy allen and we want to be your doctor friends We are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We field questions all the time that start with, my cousin told me this, or like a fitness guru sent me a targeted ad about that. We love answering these questions and offering peace of mind to our loved ones. So are you feeling confused? Listen to your doctor friends. Adrift in a sea of medical misinformation? Listen to your doctor friends. Just bored on a Tuesday? Listen to your doctor friends. Come on, let's be friends. Get by with a little help from your doctor friends. Listen to your doctor friends podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Not too good. Not too good because he just, I feel like he's looking at, um, I feel like he's looking at his dad off to the camera, you know, like dad would have been here. Um, I remember where this was taken, this was taken at Kmart. And, um, at the time my dad was a manager there. He was, uh, and I remember, uh, I, he's just so proud, you know, and I'm looking at him the way he's probably looking at me. And it feels like, um, it sounds stupid, but it feels like Huckleberry, you know, it feels like, uh, there are times when I just look at her and she just looks back at me and this is exactly what it looks like. And, um, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of judgment in this kid's eyes, you know? There's not a lot of, um, there, it just looks like there's a lot of hope, right? Like all the, if you look at the background, it's a place he's never going to be. He doesn't know it at the time, you know? This background, this beautiful lake and trees and 
He's got his hands on this fake little log. It's plastic. <laughs> but he doesn't care. He's just... He's just looking at his dad. And he's... And right there, and then he's like the only kid in the world, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. You got me with that. Oh, <laughs> Luna. Oh. Uh. Oh. Now I picture this kid and, like, either one of us being mean to this kid just feels impossible. <laughs> right? Because you just want to, like, scoop him up in your arms and, and be, and, and like, believe in that hope that he has in his eyes. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So, tip number two. <laughs> man, that got me. Yeah. So... That's well. That's actually part of tip number one. We didn't even get. We get to damn. Jeez, no more. Jeez, that was tip number one. Who was this? Who was this? Who had this research? Like, give me a break. This is Tim. Desmond. This should have been third, Desmond. No, put the picture at the end, Desmond. <laughs> so tip number one is the is to be able to expand the compassion you already feel. Okay. And and the trick to it is either think of someone that you can already feel compassion for whether a person or an yeah. animal and wrap yourself up in that or think about your, your childhood self. And it really, as you saw, can be so powerful to gaze into the eyes of a picture that you have of your childhood self. And then literally anytime you look in the mirror, find that kid in the mirror because that kid is still there. <laughs> and <Okay>. just <laughs> thinking about how to show some kindness to that kind of sweet, innocent, hopeful kid that's still always with us. Okay, so that was tip number one. <laughs> tip number one, going on two. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, the, the other the other two. I'll the other one is call your about. mom and tell her you're sorry for all the hurt. Jeez. <laughs> no, I won't, we won't we won't do any kind of like emotional ringing for the next two. Uh, tip number two is to label the voice of that inner critic. So to actually allow yourself to free up that that like inner child and separate the the mean voice or the harsh voice. Mm -hmm. um, That's something I've been working on for the past few years is to because I couldn't hear that like the voice was just me. Yeah, and I didn't realize that it was a it was another thing. So I'm working on still labeling that. It's taken so, some time. But... So here's a, a cool pro tip. Um, what's an example of something that that inner critic might say? Oh my gosh, an example! I, yeah. I, I we'd be here all day. No, just I, one short example. Um, and try to do it in the voice of that critic. Uh, you're too old. Okay. And say it like the voice tells you. You're too old. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like me. That's what I'm saying. Like it was a really hard time differentiating because there wasn't like a, an evil voice. He didn't sound mm. like claw from inspector gadget. He sounded like, <laughs> like me. He like sounded you. like, okay. yeah. So, so the trick here is, can you give that voice a name? And you love naming. Yeah, I do. So right now Chad. I want to, Chad. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Chad. Fuck Chad, that dude. Chad was this dude. Fuck Chad. Not not there. Were, I knew two Chads in middle school. One Chad was cool. Chad Ferguson. Shout out, man. Hope you're doing great. And the other one was this other guy named Chad who was okay. a real, real d bag, oh, and yeah. the D stands for dick. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Chad. Yeah. So the way that this works is, anytime you notice Chad, you go, "Hey, Chad, I hear you." You know, okay, I got it. I can take it from here. Mm -hmm. And and. You don't have to be mean to Chad because Chad's probably being a bully because he's been bullied himself, right? He's like probably gone through some hard times. So you can just be like, Chad, cool it. I got this. Thank I'm you. I'm still Chad though, right? No, you're not Chad. Oh. That voice in your head that criticizes you and tells you you're too old, that dude's Chad. And he was bullied. Yeah. But I wasn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. My point is that you don't need to hate that voice. Okay, I got you. I got you. You can have some like compassion for Chad yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So number one, learn how to turn that compassion that you already know how to give others to yourself. Number two, separate that critic voice that you have and name that voice. Yeah. Again, that's a way to sort of just separate those those um, selves a little bit more. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like you. And finally, technique number three is trying to name the underlying need you have. So instead of beating yourself up when you're feeling critical or maybe you notice a flaw or you did something that you're unhappy about, the trick here is to say, okay, what do I need right now? Not what did I do poorly or Mm. what's wrong with me, but what am I needing? In the same way that if the person you loved was hurting, you wouldn't pile on to the bad things they were feeling. You'd be like, what, how can I be there for them? What oh, do they need? Right. So maybe that's a it's great connection. Way to, that's a great way or, to do that. Because I know even as you're talking about, even as you were explaining it just now, I was like, how the hell am I going to do that? Like, how the hell am I going to know what I need and not like try to baby myself? Yeah. But then when you said what, if you were talking, if you're hearing this from someone else, what would they need? Yeah. And that, that helps. Like you introduced one of my favorite new um, I guess, norms into our relationship, which is when one of us is upset, we say, how do you need me? Yeah. And it's the same thing, just turning that on yourself. Yeah. So you're feeling down, you're feeling all these negative emotions, Chad's in your head. And the, the trick here is for Brian to go, how do you need me right now? What do you need? So like I said, maybe it's, maybe you need more connection. Maybe you need more progress. Maybe you need more certainty or clarity instead of what do I not want? The focus is what do I need and how can I get that for myself? I love it. I love it. Wow. Any final thoughts or insights before we wrap Nothing. up? Nothing. I feel completely fixed. Yeah? Um, yeah, I feel like... <laughs> That'll be $150, please. <laughs> and listeners, you can Venmo us. You know, we did talk about self-love. We talked mm. about love for others. The one thing that we haven't talked about yet is our listeners' love for us. If it exists, if how it would exists, we know? How would we know, how Tanya? How would we know? There's how would no we know? Evidence. There's no evidence, no physical right. evidence, no five stars or rating systems of any kind. Right. Except yeah. what if our yeah. listeners right now mm-hmm. chose to show us their love, wow. they could do that. They could do that, Brian. Uh, do you know how? Yeah. They, a scale. On a scale. On a scale of one to five, they can give us five stars. <laughs> they can leave a review. They can spread the word. They can show their love for the show and help us have more loving humans in this world. And also help us find another word or term for self-love. I would love to hear that if you, okay, you want throw some, some Instagram. Some more... Yeah, like throw it could be more active. Self love. Let's all work together to rename that. I'll come up with a few names. <laughs> okay. Um, like instead of self love, it's like a um, can of Dr Pepper. You want it to be like a muscle you can flex. I don't necessarily. It doesn't have to be. You want it to have a little more punch. I just want it to have a little less foo. All right, less foo and more humph. More humph. Yeah, okay. less right. foo, more humph. Listeners, please help us rename self-love while also feeling more self-love. Speaking of love, big shout out to the editor that we love, Alyssa Green. The bath ball deer, as I call her. <laughs> thank you for spreading the word about the show. And thank you for listening to Talk, Talk Sight to Me. To me.